What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. I'm Chris Illuminati. I'm Stephanie Bowen, and I hate Chris Illuminati. <laughs> uh, you love it. How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm uh, good. For, for the viewers that are watching us and not listening to us, do you want to talk about your new sign behind you? Uh, oh yeah, hold on. It's I don't, which way am I going? It says anxious millennial cowboy. Yeehaw. I made it for uh, Revolution on Sunday. Yeah. I put it next to my food. I wanted to bring it up, and here's why I wanted to bring it up. Because <laughs> everybody who listens to us probably also follows us on social media. Yeah. And everyone who follows us on social media, I want them to know that anytime there's any mention of Hangman Adam Page, it is not me. It is definitely Chris. He is yeah. such a Hangman <laughs> Adam Page mark. Here's, here's, how, here's how you know it's Steph doing social. It's about <laughs> Hangman. It's about fashionable male Kenny Omega. It's about <laughs> either of those two things. If it's me, it's me being snarky and old man crotchety about some wrestling thing that I'm mad at. Oh, I thought of something that I got mad about. I got I got mad about a wrestling thing. And I was like, I should tell Steph this. And, <laughs> Wait, and what? now I can't remember. But that's accurate, though. Like, it will less on Instagram, more on Twitter, where we both tweet. And I just had this conversation with my friend, shout out to Matt Whitesall. He's probably going to be listening to this, that he's like, oh, yeah, you must do all the tweeting. And I, was, I said, no. <laughs> I said, if it's in all capital letters <laughs> or about Hangman Page, it's more than likely me. I was going to say, I don't do capital letters. No, I'm always all caps because I'm like screaming and excited about something when I tweet. Yeah. And then I said, if it's anything else, mostly old man complaining. It's Chris. No, it's- I said something. I did something. Uh, did you say something nice about someone? No. I, I did that excited gif after the end of uh, Dynamite. That was shocking. You did. And have they even named MJF's little stable yet? I don't even know if they No. No, they have not. Yeah. So I was like uh, all excited about that. And I did that. You know what? Here's, a, here's my question. That uh, little puppet meme guy that looks like a monkey like what's his name like who is that we all know who that little puppet is you know the cute little puppet that puts his hand over his mouth or he's got the excited face the like the shot oh 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 you're talking about the gif you also sent the like mjf puppet master thing so that's where my brain was going no i'm talking about the actual little like brazilian puppet that's on a kid's tv show i don't know but oh here she goes looking it up i am we got it. We need. We this need. was like the first conversation we ever had was about um, like using gifts, and do you actually know where they're from? You know, we need st- we need Steph's looking it up music. <laughs> I will add <laughs> something. I don't do it often. So, so I don't even know what to, I don't know what words to use. <laughs> We're just talking over each other right no, now. This no, is I like thought the- we were looking it up. I'm trying to vamp. It's called vamping. <laughs> I'm I talking we it up. Where the, this is where the Steph's looking stuff up music is going to go. To be like, yeah, but I was saying I don't even know what to type to look this uh, up. Puppet infused gif? Brazilian puppet. Oh, puppet gif works. Um, puppet gif. Yeah, it's it all comes up. It's like a bad '90s band that would open for Candlebox. So a puppet gif and Candlebox, <laughs> the truck and arrow, monkey, monkey puppet. Wait, I don't know. It just comes up under I monkey. Hope it leads to porn. 
I hope looking up monkey puppet leads to porn. Like everything eventually. <laughs> I'm just porn. glad I'm on my personal computer. Um, the actual puck. Oh, geez. The actual puppet was a character in a Japanese children's TV show. Japanese. Um, in English called Growing Children, which ran from the years 1959 to 1988. Wow. There you go. You could have asked me a thousand times to guess and I never would have gotten more. I wonder if every people just listening, I will definitely flash this up in the video, but I wonder if people listening actually know which one we're talking about, the little like side eye monkey puppet. Yeah. Everyone uh, uses it. We'll try best to try to explain it is you've probably seen it in the meme where the little monkey puppet is looking straight ahead and then it's like looking right at the camera. I remember it became huge, like right when COVID hit and the meme was um, when you find out that uh, what you do every day is actually called quarantining or like social <laughs> distancing or something like that. Yeah, when you found out what you do every weekend is actually called social distancing. Uh, yeah. Like the, the pump, the muppy, like. The little side eye. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So that you've seen that meme, then you know what we're talking about. But yeah, for the video, we'll flesh. That just makes the podcast. People have to go listen, watch the video. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, then you can watch the shorter version. Well, well, we're on 10 different mediums and we talked to a guy today who's been on 10 different mediums Mm -hmm. doing, doing uh, wrestling Uh, He's a friend of mine, Eric Gargiulo. Uh, Eric and I met at a website. Uh, We bonded. uh, We both worked at a website. We bonded over wrestling. He's been a ring announcer for ECW. CZW. Uh, he hosted a radio show for 10 years, which still boggles my mind that there was a wrestling radio show. Yeah. It's really. not a thing I ever thought. I mean, I knew then because I know, but like as a kid, I never remember flipping the dial and hearing anybody talk about wrestling. Yeah. On the AM radio. Yeah. On AM radio. <laughs> right, between, <laughs> right between the Jesus reports. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right there. Jesus is still dead. And also, Bruno San Martino lost last night at the forum. <laughs> but Jesus is still dead. Now, here's Jimmy with the weather. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best AM radio impersonation. And now the crowd. But, every- <laughs> but is everyone on AM radio, like, Southern? Southern? Yeah, even in Philadelphia, where yeah, was Eric gonna- hosted the show. Yeah. And now, for right after this, we're going to Ezekiel's prayer hour. But first, let's listen. Let's talk about some wrestling. Here's Eric with the wrestling. Oh. Eric, what happened last night? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I almost, now I want to almost find out if there are any AM radio stations. When was the last time you listened to AM radio? I don't. Never I, barely, I barely listened to FM radio. Well, when was the last time you listened to radio? I listen. I listen to regular radio every morning because I listen to ninety eight rock. But I was waiting for you to plug that. <laughs> I unintentionally. I already talked about Matt, who works for them earlier. Just checking. Unintentionally, I, you you cornered me into that one. This is what I will do. I do this, and I will freely admit it. So sometimes, if I'm on like a long car ride and I'm sick of whatever's on my iPod and I like don't want to listen to any more of the podcast or stuff, I will put on radio. Usually not FM because it's mostly music. I'll put on AM talk and I will hit scan. So it hits every station for like five or six seconds. And I will listen to what insane thing they were saying. And if I'm interested, I'll stop the scan. 
and listen to the crazy because AM like every AM stage, every different AM station talks about crazy stuff. So I like listen to what the person's talking about. And then if that's boring, I will hit scan again and it'll scan to like the next one. And I'll try to find the most random. Sometimes I find the most random things. Sometimes. Most of the time. <laughs> I was going to say, I like, feel like most of the time AM is like so hard to even like get, get in on yeah. the radio at all. But sometimes I'll catch Ezekiel's farm report. Hey, it's me, Ezekiel. Here's what's going on with the crops. But first, here's Eric with wrestling. <laughs> I'm using that as the opener. <laughs> here's Eric with some wrestling. <laughs> okay. Last night, Greg the Hammer Valentine beat Coco Beware in a street fight with ears of corn. Brought to you by Ezekiel's. You eat ears of corn, you get down to Ezekiel's. Now back to more wrestling. I feel like that's exactly how you should now intro <laughs> into Eric's interview. I feel like that should be our sponsor. <laughs> if you can connect, if you got the connect, Here. hook it up. Here's us actually doing a legitimate interview with Eric. Yeah. And we're back and we are here with an old friend of mine. And I don't mean old as an age. I mean, we've known each other for a while. Mr. Eric, Gar- Mr. Eric Gargiulo, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Really excited to uh, be here on your uh, on your show and uh, really excited to talk to you. Gosh, it's uh, been a long time since, since we've seen each other and talked. So, yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen each other in a long time. So Eric and I, Steph, I don't know if I explained how we know each other. We both started at this at a job at the same day. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, on the same day. Uh, and what we were doing was we were bloggers for a little website called phillyburbs.com. And phillyburbs was like the online home of three local newspapers around here. But we didn't start off like blogging at first. Do you remember the morning build, Eric? <laughs> Oh man, Chris, do I remember? I think we'd have to get up at like, I don't know, my wife and I talk about it sometimes um, because she was with me when I was working there. I'd have to get up at like three or four o'clock in the morning and unlock servers and sit and wait and watch stuff come in. And then you're you're kind of a slave to just watching that feed come in. So yes, I do remember it. (laughs) Yeah. So Steph, real quick, what it was. uh, So the three newspapers, they would file the stories for the night that would go in the actual newspapers. So this is 2006, right, dude? 2006. Yeah, seven. Yeah, I guess like six, seven. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. I think seven. We're gonna make it sound like we were using hammer and chisels the way, this <laughs> but it was because it was so ridiculous. So they would file the stories that went into the newspaper. These things would then filter through this system that was antiquated before it was even started, and we would have to go through and like manually make sure that all of the stories from the newspaper made it onto the website, but it never made it the right way. So you'd have never. to go through and like change paragraphs or like fix formatting. And it was, it would literally, you spent the first three hours of your day formatting articles that somebody else wrote. And most of the time, like sometimes the articles wouldn't come through. So everything mm-hmm. you got wrong, these old crotchety newspaper people <laughs> would call up and yell at you at nine o'clock in the morning because their article about the local dog show <laughs> that three people were going to read didn't make it correctly on the website. I mean, Eric, am I? I was just going to say, he's not exaggerating <laughs> at all. He's, I mean, there's nothing that he's saying that is untrue. If anything, he's being kind. <laughs> he's being oh, kind geez. to the process. <laughs> that sounds yeah. painful. So just like one sentence swap or you named a, the dog's name is wrong. 
yeah, oh, on there yeah. somehow. Oh, like, oh, if you changed anything, oh god, yeah. oh yeah. Whether it was right or wrong, it didn't matter. You just weren't allowed to touch it. Right, like if you yeah. knew it was wrong, like if you saw a misspelling, you didn't touch it. You yeah. just let it go. Oh. Or like, or like oh. a bad, or a bad stat, or somebody they, they got a, a bad stat wrong in there, or something. You can't touch it. Yeah. So Eric would get. A, Eric was one of the morning guys. Like we would rotate, but Eric, yeah. we did it pretty routinely. Where you were up at like three in the morning. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I like to get up early, get my day. I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, you know, the perks, Chris, and you remember this is like you're done your work day at twelve o'clock. You know, you're going to the gym at twelve thirty. Nobody's there. You get home at one thirty, two o'clock, and you got the rest of your day ahead of you. Yeah. Well, you had to get up at three in the morning and read about dog shows. That is true. (laughs) So you guys bonded on your, so you started same day and then bonded over dealing with that bullshit for the start of your day. Yes. We bonded over that and wrestling. Yep. Because we're both huge wrestling fans. And one of my favorite stories is, and I'm going to let Eric tell the actual story. So he wrote an article. So what happened was we were one of the first websites that were, uh, would get sent to the Yahoo homepage. Mm-hmm. Now, when you signed up for these deals, the websites had to be able to take a certain amount of traffic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if somebody at our company fudged <laughs> our ability to how much traffic we could handle. So Eric wrote a wrestling story that made it like to the top main part of the Yahoo page. And so this is 2006 when people like went to Yahoo and like <laughs> all hell broke loose. So I'm going to let Eric describe the rest. Oh man. Wow. Um, try to remember. I think it was on like a WrestleMania story. It might've been like a top, like a list or, or something about, I, I just remember it was WrestleMania. The theme was WrestleMania and, um, and everything shut down. Like everything, everything froze, everything went down. Um, it was just, it, it was just funny because, you know, I mean, that's your goal, right? That's your objective as, as a blogger, a writer. And I know, you know, Chris and I, I mean, we would, that, that's, that's what we, that's, that's what drove us is we, you know, like to get those, those pages. I mean, Chris and I, and, and really Chris, I mean, Chris was at the forefront of, of blogging and networking and SEO. And, and I mean, and Chris was very kind and, and generous with his knowledge, but, you know, Chris was talking about the, the crotchety sports writers. And I joke with, um, I, I joke with people when I talk about my time there is that Chris and I are sitting in this room, uh, you know, sharing a big table, whatever it was. I mean, you know, clearly not the glamorous life you'd expect working in media, but you have these guys that are beat writers for the sports teams sending in their stories, egos, uh, you know, the, the size of whatever. And, you know, Chris and I are blowing these guys out of the water with our page views and traffic to the website. And these guys are walking around. I mean, I'm uh, Chris, I'm, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say that I'm sure they were making a lot more than we were at the time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, I learned really quickly and it's funny because today that's how I, I make my living is in marketing, but I learned really quickly just um, the value and really through Chris of just SEO and web marketing and, and, and just that whole network, um, which, you know, at that time to have that in our arsenal was really invaluable. I mean, I kind of, to Chris's point earlier, you have to remember, it's not like it is today where you had, you, you have 10 million blogs out there and everybody and their, their grandmother and, and grandchildren are blogging. I mean, it was, it was just, it, it was kind of in its infancy and, you know, there wasn't that, there wasn't a whole lot out there, but it was just, I mean, Chris really found, Chris really found a lot of brilliant ways to kind of cut through that noise. And, uh, you know, I hate the word viral. I always, uh, you know, I mean, everybody wants to go viral, but just to get, bring those page views and, and traffic. Um, I mean, yeah, it was a, a different time, right? 
Yeah, so Eric's article basically shut down the website. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, so it wasn't going to handle. It was WrestleMania. Yeah. So we just like kind of sat there all day like, like <laughs> we, were, we were excited because the article did so well. But yeah. then, like everybody in the company was pissed because, well, Eric kind of broke the website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that, I mean, that, but, but that's, that's a great point is, you know, here we are in this room. Half the people don't even know our names there. Um, you know, it, it was separated, right? You had our little tiny room, which was probably a cafeteria before we, they, they built it into a, a, a quote unquote digital area. And you had this big building where, you know, all the, the writers and, and everybody else in the, in the, in the company work. And they were mad that we broke the website. And it's like, we broke the website because we're getting traffic to the website. That's what we're paid to do. Yeah. This is a good problem to have. Yeah. It should not be an issue. They were yeah. probably doubly mad because it was a wrestling article. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yes. Well, I remember back then too, you know, a lot of those guys, those, you know, old school crotchety guys, they would complain to management and say, you know, the wrestling articles, I mean, anything. I mean, and, and Chris was writing, you know, some really edgy stuff back then too, you know, that all of our stuff, you know, that we were, you know, tarnishing the reputation and just low class. And it's like, dude, we're bringing the traffic, you know, we're keeping the lights on around here. Um, so it's just, it's interesting. And, you know, here we are 10 years later and, we can see kind of how those industries have transitioned or not um, appropriately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. The good old yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs> now I did see you hosted a wrestling show for 10 years, starting in 98. I did. Um, yeah, I did before, you know, it's um, I was telling somebody about it the other day. It was, I was doing podcasting before they called it podcasting. Um, and um, I, I wish, you know, I wish I, again, you know, here's those ideas. You, know, you kind of wish you kind of blew that out back then. But yeah, so I want to say 1998, um, I started hosting a weekly uh, pro wrestling radio show at a little AM station in Levittown, Pennsylvania, uh, 1490 WBCB, um, owned by Merrill Reese, the voice of the Eagles. And uh and, and yeah, so they gave me my hour on there and, um, and, and I was quickly able to, to build that up and again. It's a different time. I mean, now, my gosh, I mean, you're, you're in the thick of things here with, with all the media that you do, but I, I, I don't really pay too close attention to what's going on there. All I know is that there's podcasts every, you know, on my Twitter feed, every three seconds, there's somebody promoting a podcast or a webcast or something. And it wasn't the case back then. I mean, you could count on your hand back then how many people were doing radio shows and things like that. And I remember in Philly, so you know that's that's, that's where I'm at, right outside of Philly. There used to be a radio show that I listened to um, called the Squared Circle um, when I was I don't know maybe like eight nine years old, and um, and they were great and I loved it. And I just always liked radio anyway. Um, I mean, Chris and I used to talk about Howard Stern for hours and 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 radio when we worked over Philly Burbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always liked radio, so I was really ecstatic about it. And the other thing at the time I thought anyway with a lot of the other wrestling shows out there is I, I thought they were. They, they kind of insulted your intelligence. They were kind of too, I hate the word marky, but they were kind of too marky um, for a lack of a better word where you didn't have those shows that just kind of talk to you as, okay, we're all in on the deal. We all know what it is. We're not trying to insult anybody one way or the other. We're certainly not trying to compromise the integrity of the industry, but you know, let's have a conversation. Let's not pretend something is what it isn't. And let's, you know, have a conversation about it. And, um, and I, and, and that's what I tried to do. And yeah, I stuck with it for 10 years, but I go back to the podcasting thing. I want to say probably about 2006, 
you know, I, it, so we went on the, so when I was at BCB, BCB went online, they weren't even online at first when I went there. So I want to say they went online a couple of years after I was there. And what I started noticing is that all the calls on my show were from, were from all over the world. Actually, I got calls from England sometimes. I mean, there were very few calls from Levittown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Michigan or Boston or Ireland or England. It's like, Every week, and um, and I would do live remotes and stuff, and, and nobody would really ever come because the audience was it was it was internet. They were they were listening online, and um, and I would take my shows and post them up and everything. And it started dawning on me. I'm like, so you know, why am I? You know, I'm I'm going to the station every Saturday to be there live from eleven to twelve or whatever it was. I I have to schedule my interviews. I mean, what you guys are doing here. Um, think about it. If you had, you know, one hour, one week, we, you know, in the middle of an afternoon where most of the wrestlers are traveling, you know, as 12 o'clock on a Saturday, you know, try and find a wrestler that's, that's free to do an interview and not in a car somewhere. So, you know, and so I would have to schedule these interviews and a lot of times I'd miss out on some good opportunities or or I'd record them at home. I said to myself, I'm like, why, why am I doing this, this, you know, in the studio, in this hour, I could be doing this at home. I could go live from seven to eight and go live from nine to 10. I could open up a chat room. I could just kind of call the shots and do it myself because, you know, it's, it's not like, again, I'm, I have this large audience from Levittown. It's, it's everywhere. And I already built that up. So, so I did that. I took my show online and, um, you know, and learned really quick on how to do that, how to create an, an iTunes feed and how to, um, you know, encode your audio and et cetera, et cetera. And quickly I was able to, to get that ball rolling, but it's just funny now in hindsight, that was 10, over 10 years ago. Um, and I mean, everybody's doing it now, but back then it was like, and it seems silly. I mean, talk about dating yourself. It seems like it, it was, it was just edgy back then to do that, to take your show. And even, I remember giving my notice at the radio station because it, it, it got to the point where I'm like, why am I even, you know, bothering with the radio station? And, and they were great to me, but like, I can do this myself. I can engineer it myself. I found a way, I found a way to, to I, I got, I bought a cheap mixer and found a way to rig it into like a couple different speakers where I could like take calls through like some of the, like Skype and bring my calls down. And yeah, I was a one man show engineering it, producing it and, and, and all the, the whatnot. But at the end of the day, the freedom to do it whenever and however you wanted. And I thought it was awesome. So yeah, um, long answer to your short question. Yes, I did do a radio show from uh, 1998 to 2007-2008. Let's talk about some of the guests that you had there. I mean, I was looking through the list. I mean, you had Jericho. You had Bruno San Martino on numerous times. A lot. And as a matter of fact, um, I actually got to become very friendly with Bruno San Martino, um, something I would never have expected. Um, it just it, it was just very organic that way. He was just he was just so kind and so nice. And I would call him to, to book him for the show. We would just talk. And he's just, you know, it's like, what do you have in common? It's like Bruno San Martino about. I guess you'd be surprised because I'd be on the phone with him for a, a while and we wound up communicating um, outside of the show, it wasn't just a call. Hey, can you come on the show? It's just, Hey, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Um, and at the time I was finishing up my, my undergrad at temple and you had to do like some kind of project or something. So I used him, uh, you had to like, you had to interview a famous person uh, and do like a recorded interview. So I used him. So I called him and said, Hey, would you help me with my college project? And he did like, I mean, he didn't even blink. He didn't even think twice. He's like, absolutely. So, you know, he gave me his time. 
like for an hour. Um, nobody was going to hear it except my college professor and I. Um, and it was awesome. Um, and I miss him. I and, and um, you know, it's he's uh, he was he was just such a such an inspiration. I always used to say to him, "Why aren't you putting out like exercise books or videos or something?" Because he was a rock. I mean, at, at his age, I mean, at, at any age, I mean, he's better shape than I, I, I am now at, at like, you know, seventies, eighties. I mean, he was a rock. And I say, why? And, but to him, it was just, it was just a way of life. It was just keeping himself in shape. It wasn't trying to market it or sell it. Um, and, um, yeah, no. So I had Bruno on and developed a friendship with him. It's probably the closest friendship I developed out of the, the guests that I had. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was awesome. It's sometimes you got to pinch yourself. Right. And I'm sure you guys do it here because you talk to these guys, um, that you grew up watching that you're a fan of. And, and sometimes I didn't always get them on the air. Like I remember trying to get Roddy Piper. Um, this is an interesting story. Um, so I got Roddy Piper's phone number. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's a funny story. So I got Roddy Piper's phone number and mind you, I love Roddy Piper. He's probably like my top three. So, you know, I'm marking out just to call him. So call them up and say, Hey, you know, the first thing they always ask you, I don't know if they do that anymore. They say, how'd you get my phone number? So, uh, <laughs> and, and luckily I, you know, I, I had some connection, so I would always be able to get these guys phone numbers and you would just say, ah, promoter gave it to me. And generally that was enough. Like they would never, it would be like, Oh, okay. They wouldn't ask you who they wouldn't ask you like when, how they'd be like, Oh, okay. So, I said, hey, you know, Mr. Piper, I do the show, blah, blah, blah. You know, could you come on? We could either, I do it live from this time or we could always record it previously. And he starts going into a whole spiel about light bulbs. So apparently he was like, had some part of a, business deal where he was like selling light bulbs. So he's half trying to sell me light bulbs and half trying to like talk about why these light bulbs are so great. And I'm just listening. I'm just marking out because it's Roddy Piper talking about light bulbs for 20 minutes. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, I'll, 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 I'll roll with this and this is cool. And I wish I could record this and put this on the air. I mean, this would be gold. Um, and uh, we get to the end of the, the phone call and um, you know, like, so, you know, when can we, you know, lock this down? And he's like, ah, I'll call you tomorrow. Um, and, and hangs up and never heard from him again. Um, but I got to listen to Roddy Piper trying to hock a light bulb um, to me for about 20 minutes. And that was <laughs> worth, worth that the 10 years of radio that I put in for sure. <laughs> and if only you had been able to record, that you oh man would have helped him sell some light bulbs well i have a funny story i have another good story about you know trying to book guests so this one was actually successful but this is this is a funny story you, you guys will appreciate this so paul orndorff is another guy i was a huge fan of growing up and i remember at the time somehow or another i don't know if it was youtube or tapes or whatever i started going down this paul orndorff rabbit hole at this time where i started watching his matches i was just like man this guy is awesome and uh so I'm like, I got to get try and get this guy on my show. So somehow or another through a promoter, you know, I get his phone number, um, give him a call. And, you know, first question, you know, how'd you get my phone number, you know, through it, through a promoter. So then he says, well, who? And I mean, he's like, he's not, the guy couldn't be any less friendly, you know, if, if, if he tried. So he's like, who? I just make up, you know, like Tim from New England, you know, something, something, something like that. And um, he's like, he's like, well, what do you want? So I go on this spiel. I talk so fast. And I said, 
I just got to tell you, I do this radio show out of Philadelphia and I'd love to get you on. And, uh, and he's like, well, I'm not really doing radio shows anymore. And I said, well, I just got to tell you, I've been watching your matches for like the last like two weeks and just how great you were. And, you know, you did all these subtle things. You were, you know, the way you slowly took your robe off when you wrestled Chief J at the spectrum. And then you like clocked him from behind. I started like calling out all these spots and, uh, and there's this like silence and he's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, after I put him over for 20 minutes, at first he's like, I'm not doing anything. He's like, okay, I'll do it. I mean, just like that. And, uh, and he came on and it was awesome. We talked for about an hour and he couldn't have been nicer. Um, super cool. But yeah, that was, that was a fun one. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Now. So interviewing people back in 98 versus now is yeah. extremely different. Uh, kayfabe was still alive back yeah. then. So did any of the guests ever admit to something that they probably shouldn't have? Um, I would say probably not. Probably not. I'm trying to think if that ever happened. Um, no, but I will say this. that So I had Dusty Rhodes on one time. Again, huge Dusty Rhodes fan. I mean, you know, we're old school guys. So all these guys, I mean, it should be no surprise. I'm big fans of these guys. Still am. And I had Dusty Rhodes on. I was so excited because he was such a hard get. Um, and it took me eight years to get him. I was trying for eight years to get him. I finally get him. He, he put his book out and, um, he comes on the show. And the one thing I always try to do, I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to, um, ask like hard questions, to put anybody on the spot, but at the same time, it goes back to, you don't want to insult your audience. So your audience kind of gets used to a way that you interview. And I was doing shoot interviews for, uh, for, um, for videos on the side too. So like, I just gotten. I'd gotten accustomed to a style where I asked hard questions, but never insulted anybody or never got anybody angry. Um, and uh, with him, I said something to him about Thunderbolt Patterson. So I don't know if if you or your listeners are familiar, but there's you know there's there's kind of this deal where a lot of people think that he stole Thunderbolt Patterson's gimmick um, because Thunderbolt Patterson, who is African American, um, would do all the jive talking all the same motions as dusty and i mean if you ever went back on a kind of youtube video of thunderbolt patterson you'd say like wow i feel like i'm watching dusty Rhodes." um but you know it is what it is and um he touched on it in his book but like he kind of glossed over he's like he's like yeah people say that but i didn't so then i say hey in your book you know you said something about thunderbolt patterson I don't even know what I asked. I mean, it was probably, it wasn't anything insulting or, or, you know, uh, coming at him aggressive in any way. And then he all of a sudden says, wait, what? I, I can't, I, I'm losing the connection here. Uh, I, oh, wait, there, there's a lot of people around here. Uh, we're, we're cutting out. He's like, how, how about we do this again sometime? Um, and he's like, I, I, I got to go. Like, okay. You know, all right, fine. And at, at the time I didn't really think anything of it um, because I've never really had anybody do that. And at that point I've been doing the show for eight years and talked to just about everybody and everybody was cool with everything. And, um, and then I'd heard from somebody that was there might've been Larry Zabisco because Larry Zabisco was also doing the same. They were from a convention. He was calling them from a convention and Larry Zabisco at the same convention. And it might've been Larry Zabisco that told me that like nobody was even near Dusty Rose. Like he was like working that whole thing. Like nobody was near him. He was standing in the corner talking on the phone and, you know, and it was all a big work. So he probably didn't like the question. You know, sorry. Um, I, I mean, I, I still still a huge fan and and love the guy to pieces. But yeah, I'd say that was the closest anybody came to ever saying something or getting angry. But I gotta say, you know, everybody was always very cool. And I mean, I'm sure as you guys are, you know, I always try to I always try to go into those interviews 
um, very respectful, um, you know, put them over and, you know, there'd be some hard questions in there, but nothing's going to get anybody in trouble. Um, and, um, and generally you kind of knew how they would react because sometimes I talk to these guys on the phone and you just talk to them more. Sometimes, um, I would have done those video interviews. So it's like, I already asked the question, but I didn't ask it here. So like, it's, it's a new medium. So yeah, like nah, everybody was always, um, I, I thought everybody was always pretty cool actually. Do you ever have somebody uh, do an interview and they're still kind of working the gimmick? They're, they're not giving you anything? The honky talk man. <laughs> <laughs> really? See, now there's a guy who can't shut his mouth right? on shoot interviews, but he came in and he would still, really? That's interesting. Yeah, honky talk man was probably the only one. And, you know, to, to his, um, to give him a little credit, so how I did the interview with him is we were both, there was like an independent wrestling card somewhere in Levittown, one of the high schools in Levittown. And, um, so I was sent there like to do remote, remote work for the radio station. It was like, Hey, you know, checking in live from the card. And, um, so then I went over to get to talk to the honky tonk man. So I say to his credit, because it's not like any of the other interviews that I did where I called them up previously, or we had that, that even that phone relationship, like he didn't know me from anybody. He didn't know my show from anybody. He's over there still selling his gimmicks and stuff. So, you know, to, 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 to give him a little bit of, of credit there, he, he didn't know anything about what was going on. All of a sudden it was just this guy with a microphone in his face um, that had a lot more hair back then. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, I would say he was probably um, the only one, all the other guys were always, very cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that tried to work like the gimmick, like even like just setting up the interview. Um, I, I don't think he was trying to work the inter- the gimmick, but I thought it was kind of funny that um, Bobby Heenan, I had Bobby Heenan on a couple of times, who was awesome. Um, and um, he would, I don't know if you remember, he would always uh, have this Miss Betty fictional character when he was on primetime wrestling. So when I would, when I would book him, I knew I was emailing his, his email address. But he would always send the emails back signed from Miss Betty as like his like secretary, like 20 years later that she's still his secretary. Um, I, I just thought it was kind of kind of more funny than than anything. But he was a good one. Um, you know, we did. So, so you know, Bobby had cancer and got sick and everything. So I had him on twice. And um, first time he was he was healthy. So it wasn't even an issue. Second time he was just starting to get sick. And, um, and I called him, he put out a second book. And, um, and by that point, we, we kind of knew each other a little bit. And um, he was super cool. And he's like, listen, he's like, he's like, I, I really don't know how much I can talk these days. He's like, why don't we go for like 15 minutes? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, because the previous time he was on, we, we did an hour, did a full hour. I said, hey, you want to do the hour again? He's like, ah, I can only do like 15 minutes. I'm, I'm not feeling too good. Fine. No problem. We'll do five minutes, whatever, whatever you can do. And we get on there. And he starts rolling with his hedonisms. I mean, he's just so funny. I mean, he was just, he's just great. And he's like shooting on everybody. Cause he just didn't really, he didn't really care at that point. Like he knew he wasn't going to work in the business again. So he just didn't care like who he insulted or like who he threw under the bus. He just let it fly. And um, we went, so we went to five, 10 minutes or whatever it was, 15 minutes. And um, I start wrapping up for, with him. He's like, Hey, he's like, wait a minute. He's like, I'm just getting started. He's like, let's take some calls. And I'm like, all right, you know? And then, uh, so we start taking calls and then during the break, I say, Hey, you know, you're doing okay. You know, you, you, I, I can, I can wrap it up, whatever you want. He's like, no, nah, let's keep going. Let's go. And he did a whole hour again, um, which was awesome. Cause I, I really wasn't feeling well, but he just, 
he loved performing, like, you know, performing, talking to people, talking to fans. Um, and, and from what I understand that, was, you know, he was going to conventions and everything, even when he was really sick. And for that reason, which I, I you know, I get now, but like, that was, a, that was a cool one because I was such a huge Keenan fan growing up and we had such a good time the first time that he was on. And when he said he could only do 15 minutes, it was like, oh man, I totally get it. But man, you were so funny the first time. And then we got going and it was, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Steph, would you like to explain to Eric what our last episode was? What are, yeah, why this is so great. <laughs> our last episode, we did a special episode um, where Chris made me watch all four episodes of the Bobby Heenan show. Oh, that's great. On the network. Because I, and people that listen know that I'm a like a new school wrestling fan. So I've okay. only started watching the past decade. So Chris is slowly like teaching me things from before. So he's like, we're going to, we'll slow you in here with just some like comedy. I don't yeah. show any wrestling. I'm like, yeah, no, let's right. go watch these really awkward interview shows. <laughs> Chris, I saw, I saw, I was watching on YouTube the other night. My wife passed out and I'm like wide awake. I was watching like a compilation of Heenan and Monsoon on prime time. Not the matches, just the compilation. Yeah. See, that's what I mean about Chris. Like he, he knows his stuff there. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's that's great stuff. He had like the porn star Rachel Hunter, if I remember right, on there. Yeah, it does not age well. I will say, <laughs> <laughs> none of it ages well. My yeah, watching the first episode through, I was like, oh yikes! Like, yeah, texting me, she's like, what am I watching? <laughs> and what makes it so funny was it was on a wrestling show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you think back on it, it's like, how did this happen? Yeah, like, that, how did, who greenlighted this? Yeah. Well, that was my text. We did some research. Listen to our episode. and, and Okay, we'll, I will. We'll tell you how it happened. Okay. Yeah, Chris, Chris awesome. did some, some deep research. I did some, on digging. That. I did some listening. I did some research. And uh, that'll explain how it happened. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that. Then, and the old TNT episodes. I mean, I can watch those for hours. Oh, I'm gonna get her to do those next. <laughs> oh gosh, absolutely. You know, we're so. trying to figure out like a method to like or. I mean, there's a lot, so we got to figure out where to start. And they're long, so yeah. Like, yeah. But so you got to get the early ones when Captain Lou was still a heel, and 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 he just he's another one. He would just go on there drunk, you know, drunk on vodka, and he'd just yeah. be going crazy. I mean, he he was he was the best. So I told Steph, there's a wedding episode where yes. everyone is bombed. Like you yes. can tell, everyone is bombed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Steph, we'll do that one next. Okay, sounds good. Oh, yeah, sounds I need a fun. list of all of these. So yeah, for sure. Before you did uh, the radio show, though, I mean, you did announcing everything. You were with ECW for a while. How did that whole thing happen? I was. Um, it's uh, it, it was it was very organic. Um, so at the time, uh, you know, I was I was working with my buddy, and we would go on the road uh, on the ECW road show. So you know, it's like you have to kind of put yourself in the capsule of 1994, 1995 ECW, right? So. You talk about this today, and it's just impossible just with the way things are today. But 1994, 1995, ECW, you know, we would just go, we'd get a table, sell our sell our videos, hawk our merchandise, and as part of our as part of our our business, we had a hotline, right? And um, everybody had a hotline back then. I don't know if you remember the hotlines. I'm not talking about the 976 ones, but the ones where everybody you pay like for an 800 number, you know, seven bucks a month that you put your news or whatever on there. Um, and uh, so we had a hotline, and I would do our hotline. And um, and I should say too, when so I'm missing a key part of the story. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. So when we would set up our our tables at shows and stuff, 
you know, we would go go in the locker room and we got to know all the guys and we knew Pauly. We knew Pauly a little bit from WCW um, because we had met him at Civic Center a couple of times. Um, but he was always just really cool. And like, you know, he's just always very approachable, always really cool. Um, and uh, so what Paul used to do, and again, it sounds crazy when you think about it now, is so ECW used to air, I don't even remember this, Chris, ECW used to air at like five o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesdays on the sports channel when it first came on the air. You don't remember that? No. Okay. For me, it was always on at like two in the morning. Okay. Okay. So when it like first aired, like, sorry. yeah, no. Yeah. So, so it had like, it was Wednesdays at five o'clock, right? It's such an odd time, like an odd channel. So it'd be like on the, on the equivalent of like Comcast Sportsnet, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so it would air at, at five o'clock and we would do like an ECW recap on, on our hotline, just something to talk about. And he would call the hotline every week, not just ours, everybody's, because he wanted to hear what people thought of his ECW TV show. So here's this guy. I mean, you know, he's iconic at this point. I mean, I would say he's even, I would argue he was iconic back then too. And, you know, if, 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 Joe Blow down the street had uh, a phone number or if he had any kind of media where he was putting out an opinion on ECW, Paul wanted to hear it, whether, you know, the guy was agreeing or not. I mean, amazing when you think about it, right? Um, and you think about how big ECW would, would become. Um, so um, Paul would call the hotline and um, the one day, so it was customary after all the shows, after we would tell our stuff, you know, you always go and shake everybody's hand goodbye, especially Paul, because he's, letting you set up there. I mean, you're paying him, but it's still make, make it a deal. So we'd always do that. So I remember uh, going to shake his hand the one night and say, Hey, you know, thanks. And he like held onto my hand and he's like, hone in on your announcing skills, like, like the Jedi, you know, or something. And uh, I'm like, okay. You know? And um, so, so we leave and I'm like saying to my buddies, I'm like, what do you think he meant? Like, you know, nobody knows. And um so he so so he would call our offices too sometimes. So there was a little bit of a relationship there. Not much so with me and him, but with my with my my buddy and him. And um he said to um my he said, oh no, he said, make sure Eric's in whatever town it was, some like East Bumble Frig New York town or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was like it was. I'm trying to think of what, what it was. It was somewhere like in Rochester. I I don't know that it was Rochester, but somewhere like around Rochester. And um so I go out to Rochester, walk in, we set up our stuff and he's like, and he grabs me, he's got a big smile on his face. He puts his arm around me and he's like, you're announcing tonight. Like, I don't even know what I'm announcing, you know? And uh, he's like, you're announcing. I said, well, what? And he's like, he's like, you do the ring announcing tonight. He's like, I mean, because at the time too, he had Bob Ortiz, who's, who was, who's, he's also iconic with ECW. He was a ring announcer. But as ECW started to branch out, he couldn't always make those, make all like the outside of Philly events. I think he had flyer season tickets and he didn't want to miss like flyers games or something. So I, I, I do think that's the truth. So um, so they didn't have a ring announcer on a lot of these shows. Sometimes Paul would do the ring announcing, but he'd do it behind a curtain and kind of change his voice and nobody knew who it was. Um, so 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 he said so he said he said, go around, get the weights in the towns with the guys, and uh, you know, and he's like, and, and have fun, you know, whatever. And so I get it. So what was what was nice is, again, I kind of had a relationship with all these guys. So it's not like I'm just this new guy walking around the locker room like, where are you from and how much you weigh? You know, it's like all these guys knew me to, to some extent. And I was always respectful and, you know, always had a good good relationship with most of these guys. And um, so so I did it. So I go out there and do it and sucked. Um, and I went out there. Oh, and here's the best part is, um, so I didn't, I wasn't dressed for this. So like we'd go on the road and, 
you know, he wear like a t-shirt and shorts or whatever. So I wasn't dressed for it. So I said to him when he said, you know, you're going to announce, he said, he said, I said, I'm like, I don't have anything that's where he's like, go get one of Joel Gertner's uh, sweatsuits or something. So I got this like windbreaker suit from Joel Gertner. That was three times like my size I'm swimming in. Right. So, you know, I mean, draw your own conclusions. So here's this guy, you know, in this big sweats. I look like I'm out of Sopranos, right. As I'm walking in Rochester, New York out there, um, do the announcements and, um, you know, and, and so I don't know if I did good, I did bad or whatever. Like I was just kind of glad it was over because you know, you're, you're nervous as anything. And, um, so I say goodbye to him and thank you. And that was kind of the customary thing to do. And he would say, uh, come to wherever we were the next night, come to Albany. We we're in an Albany, but come to Albany tomorrow night, but bring a suit tomorrow night. So I'm like, okay, clearly I didn't own a suit at the time. I mean, you know, at that stage in the game, um, you know, I, I didn't have one. So I went and bought one the next day, whatever, blah, blah. So I just did it more and more. And, um, and it was never, I was never quote unquote booked. It was just, you know, he would just kind of say, Hey, make sure you're in this town, uh, this next week and make sure you're in this town. And then I would just kind of go. And it was just kind of understood that, you know, I was going to do those towns. And even if Bob on the rare occasions where Bob would show up, he would get me on the show and he'd say, well, you do a couple of matches. You're here, you know, you do a couple of matches. And, um, and it was great because it all kind of, you know, it all kind of built up to them. You know, ECW was getting bigger. And um, so they were getting bigger crowds and bigger TV and, and bigger arenas. So it was really nice to, to get on that ride. You know, you're going from those really small, like out of the, you know, in the woods buildings. to now you're like, actually like, I, I did the announcing in Pittsburgh for those guys every show with 5,000 people in the building going crazy and their TV tapings. So that's the other thing too, is you start to learn like how to like, you know, where the hard camera is, how to look, look at the camera and, you know, how to react to things and stuff. But, and, but I, I would say the best part of that whole thing is um, I would shadow Paul. So um, before the show. So the thing about Paul is he would never know the lineups until sometimes he wouldn't have the lineup done until halfway through the card. Right. He just kind of went on feel. Okay. So he went, so a lot of, so, you know, for me to go up to him and say, Hey, do you have the lineup so I can go get, you know, towns and, you know, put my little notes together and stuff. He'd have nothing. So he would say, he would essentially say, just stick with me. And so I would shadow him. Right. So it was, it was awesome because here I am just shadowing, saying nothing, keeping my mouth shut as Paul's booking. And he's talking to these guys and explaining finishes to these guys and trying to talk to these guys who don't want to do a job tonight into doing a job tonight and who don't want to work with this guy into working this guy and just how brilliant. And he wasn't just to have that, like, you know, no pun intended ringside seat along the way was just amazing, you know, in hindsight, but at the time, I'm sure you guys have had these experiences at the time. You really don't appreciate it for what it is. It's like, it just was what it is. And you know, it's cool. It's like, because you know, you're sitting here at CCW and it's Paul Heyman, but you don't realize how truly awesome it is until years later when you look back on it. Yeah. I was going to ask, how does it feel to be in that ring during a live show in front of that many people? It's awesome. Uh, it's it's it really is. I loved it. Um, I'm 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 very much an introvert, but um, I just you know you feed off of the crowd. First of all, the thing about ECW that is great is you never have a dead crowd, right? Is they're all out of their freaking minds, and especially when you start the show, they are just like rabid, like they want to kill somebody, you know, or they want to see somebody be killed. 
So for you not to go out there and feed off of that energy, it's like, it's impossible not to. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's just such an adrenaline rush. Um, it's funny because my niece is, um, she does a lot of theater now. And um, she was saying something about being nervous about something. And I, I, and it was just the other week. And I was like, you know, I used to go out in front of these people in Pittsburgh and start talking about the 5,000 people. And my sister's like, oh, yeah, you know, your Uncle Eric used to do that, that TV announcing. Maybe you should, should ask him. It's like, yeah, I used to do it, you know, 20 years ago, but I, I did used to do it. But yeah, it's cool. It's like, it's like this, um, it's like this club. ECW is just, I mean, ECW is just legendary at this point, that era of ECW. And so, like, kind of be a part, albeit a very small part, but just a part of it is just super cool. It's like something nobody can ever take away from you, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Were you ever there, like fly on the wall when things got a little heated between Paul and Talent? So I wasn't there for Paul and Talent. I was there for a fist fight with um, Pitbull Number Two and New Jack. I was there. Um, I, I was probably about. I'm, I'm trying to look around the room here. I was probably five feet away from them. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so we were doing these angles on these shows where Tommy Dreamer would like DDT me, right, um, or pile drive me. I still don't know why, um, but we did it. And uh, all right, you know, I'll do it. Best part about it is like you get the night off at that point. So you do it. So we did it in Queens and we did it in the beginning of the show. So, you know, I'm, you know, you got to sell it. Right. So um, I go to the locker room. So I'm done for the night. Right. As like, like second match. It's great. So I'm just hanging out back there. And at the same time, you're not supposed to be seen, you know, or else, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a, they'll freak out. So, um, so I'm just sitting there and I don't know what happened, but, Pitbull number two walks in in this like suit where, you know, he's got this like, like just all white suit and like this like hat on this like top hat on or something. And like, and then all of a sudden new Jack comes in like yelling and screaming. And then they start like punching each other. And then people are just like, Whoa, you know, I I, I want no part of this. I mean, please. Um, And, uh, but it was kind of, it was cool to, to watch all that in front of me. And I mean, it quickly got, got broken up. Um, there was um, there was something in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I will say what I did hear is like there were a couple of times that Paul would say to a talent, "Hey, um, you know, you're working with this guy tonight, and you know, and maybe th- maybe that that other guy could have gotten the rub or the, or you know the bump." And the guy be like, "Nah, I don't I don't want to work with him." And squash it and whatever. Maybe they had a personal beef. Like I have no idea. Like I'm certainly not going to ask. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I, I have seen that before. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think there were a couple of times with Taz where he had to like kind of talk him into something, never a job. I never saw Taz do a job, but um, there were a couple of angles. I did. I do remember them having a conversation. It was intense, but it wasn't heated, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, where Taz just kept disagreeing with him about him wanting to do something. But like, he's again, he's like, he's just like smooth talking him and kind of like, just easing him into it. And then Taz went out and did it. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say, I'd say it's probably, that's one thing I remember. I don't remember the details, unfortunately. So after the ECW thing, you move over to CZW and you start doing commentating. Correct. How did that happen? So, um, so yeah, by that point, um, you know, you, you make, you make friends along the way throughout the business and, um, some some friends of mine they started wrestling in CZW and CZW was starting to get get hot. Um, I'd never done any announcing at all on that level, like any like commentary, like just ring announcing. And 
Um, they were trying to, when I say they, CZW was trying to work some deal with Onita. Do you, do you know who Onita is? A deathmatch yeah. guy? Yep. So they were trying to work some deal with Onita and they were trying to get on pay-per-view. So ECW had folded. They were trying to take that spot and get on pay-per-view. And they had a deal like in place of some sort with Onita to do this, but they had no announcers at the time at all. And I had some friends there and um, my friends just went to bat for me. They're just like, Hey, they said to the, to the owners and they're like, Hey, you really should try this guy, Eric out. He used to work with ECW. If, even if he sucks, it's just, just to have him around because he, he, you know, he used to shadow Paul and can maybe we, maybe we would learn some things or, or whatever. Um, and, um, and I had a couple of friends of mine that, that went to bat for me and, um, and got me a tryout there and, um, and it was awesome. So, um, so I went down there, so it was just a tryout and I went down there, did the tryout. I was terrible, 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 terrible. I mean, I think it took me like a good eight to 10 months before I got to a place where I was at least co- even comfortable listening to myself back calling matches. Um, but I never done it before. So, um, so did it. And, um, and, uh, I think it was kind of, he didn't have any other options. So he's, so he's like, he's like, yeah, you got the job. I'm like, great. But, you know, the irony of it is, you know, at the time, so the pay-per-view with Onita's group fell through. Um, and the irony is, you know, at the time, everybody's all bummed out because everybody kind of, kind of thinks it's their big break, right? You know, they're all going to get on pay-per-view. And now everybody's on pay-per-view. But not, back then, nobody was really on pay-per-view. So to get on there is a really big deal. That was also and, the bigger money, too. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So big, more exposure, bigger money, et cetera. Um, and I mean, I'm even thinking, you know, I'm like, hey, I get on there. Maybe WWF hears me at the time, WCW. I, I, I forget if they were around back then. But anyway, yeah, they were. So um, the pay-per-view falls through. And um, and he keeps me on to do like the, the you know, he does the house, he does like arena shows or whatever. And, um, and I say it's ironic because I say if that would have been my first like public exposure as an announcer, it would have been terrible because like I was, I was just so bad and so green at the time and to go from not doing it at all to like doing a pay-per-view being exposed on a pay-per-view and like your second or your third show um, just would have been horrendous um, for me. And I mean, I think, I think it's like wrestling, right? Like you see, like um, I, I would see, you know, over time that, you know, guys would train, um, you know, they'd go to the wrestling schools and they train, and they go out there and start having matches after like, you know, a month being at the wrestling school or after a couple of months. And clearly they are not ready to be in a ring. Um, and it just, and it takes time and you have to, you know, and you have to work towards it. And I just remember for me, um, I, um, I, I had a six hour tape of Jim Ross, who I, I loved and adored uh, Jim Ross, UWF wrestling. And I would listen to it all the time. And I would listen to just the way, that like his inflections, like when he would put something over, when he wouldn't. And then what really kind of, um, what, what kind of helped me develop a style was I started listening to sports, um, live sports events on the radio. And um, Chris, you're probably more familiar with this. I think his name's Tom McCarthy from the Sixers. He calls Sixers games, yeah. right? Um, he was a guy I really liked a lot. And I started kind of, I don't want to say stealing, but kind of started to like mold like my style to him. Or um, Jim, uh, I forget what his last name is. He calls the Flyers games, uh, the mustache. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, and just, you know, and different football announcers. So, you know, it's like I started with, with Jim Ross to kind of get that foundation. 
But then to kind of carve my own niche, so to speak, I started to I started to approach it as like a sport and started listening to the way like sports announcers that I liked would would call sporting events and try to bring all that together. But I would say that it took me like eight to ten months before um, I, you know I could listen back to something during that time period and be like, ah, you know that that wasn't too bad because the beginning it was just brutal, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> yes. But it was a great, it was, it was a great run. Um, You know, I started there, I want to say 2000, 2000 was was by the time I think I I ended there in 2007. And I mean, it was, um, it was awesome. It, uh, it was a really good time because we had a lot of really great young talent at the time. You know, it's one of those things, right place, right time. And we just kind of had the right mix of talent at the right time there was that that right fan base that still wanted something in this area that ECW left that void. And you had a lot of independents that were trying to give them that, but nobody could quite get it right like CZW could from time to time. And um, it was um, and it was great. And it, and, and it certainly afforded me lots of opportunities because and in right, right place, right time, right? So CZW started to blow up a little bit. Um, I want to say around 2002. So by that point, I'm, I'm two years into my announcing. So I'm kind of just starting to really get into a, a really good spot. And now is when I'm being exposed to, uh, to the larger audiences and to other promoters and to people like that. So it really opened up a lot of opportunities for me that I couldn't imagine ever opening up if if that was 2000 or like right after I started announcing. It was like, it was, it was the right time. Two years, I'd hit my stride. We'd started to blow up a bit. And now people were, you know, all over the world were hearing my commentary and they were digging it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was a really cool time. Again, it's like one of those things. So I think Chris, I, when I emailed you, I said, I don't really watch much wrestling anymore, but I play 2K19 with my son and, you know, watch the old stuff on the network. And I was going through, we go through, he asked me to go through and like download like Rey Mysterio's for him, you know, and stuff. And they had like all these like CZW like arenas and shows and stuff up and like, like some of the old school characters. I'm like, wow. I'm like, people still actually like care about that stuff. It's kind of cool that like you're like a part of that. Um, But yeah, so it was a fun time. Yeah. So right around that time when you were getting all that exposure, was that when you started doing those shoot interviews and started putting those up? So, so no, actually it kind of was, was the reverse. So I would say I started doing the shoot interviews in like 1997. Um, and that's kind of what helped me get the radio show. And so I I guess everything kind of comes back to that, the, the shoot interviews and, um, and just kind of, and that really was just a side gig, honestly. Like it was just like, it was, it was a good gig. And I mean, I love, you know, I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to at that time sit with Sid Vicious, you know, Sid Justice for three hours and, you know, and just, just talk wrestling or Barry Windham or Ricky Steamboat or any of those guys. I mean, you know, it's like, I would, I mean, I literally have to pinch myself when I'd walk in there into these rooms and it's just me and Barry Windham, you know, cause, cause some of the times, some of the times you'd go with a camera crew and then there were times where um, I would kind of freelance it, where they didn't have a camera crew to send with me. So it was just me. And I'd go and set up a hard camera, a couple cameras, and do the interview and stuff and bring it back um, and do it kind of as a freelance gig. So it's just it's just you and Barry Windham hanging out, you know, like it's like you're drinking beers, you know, um, and 
Uh, same thing with Scott Hall. I remember missing my very first fantasy football draft because the opportunity came up to do a shoot interview with Scott Hall. And it was just me and Scott Hall one-on-one. And everybody kept warning me like, you know, oh, you know, he gets crazy and he attacked me and, you know, and he's nuts and everything. And he couldn't have been any more cool. Like, I mean, he was just awesome. And what was awesome, I mean, in addition to him just being awesome, he's just talking like old school. And like, that's what I would dig. I mean, you know, we're old school fans. Um, so getting that, I mean, like you guys probably do here when you get, you know, the, the legends and the icons and old school guys on to be able to do that, especially you're just in a room hanging out and, you know, and it's like, it's funny because if you walked up to these guys back then, or even now, if you walked up to these guys in a bar, like if I walked up to Barry Wyndham, of course, I'd want to ask him, well, why, you know, when you were the widow maker, why didn't you work with the Hogan or, you know, or why did you lose the belt so quickly to, uh, the, to beefcake and Valentine? But you're not gonna because you want to play it cool and everything. But when you're doing those interviews, that's what you're paid to do. That's what they're there for you. So you get to ask all those marquee questions or those fan questions that you'd want to ask, and you're being paid to do it. So it's 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 awesome. And and those guys are and those guys were all really excited to do it. They just it's, it was a different time back then, right? It's like now they can get on any podcast and tell their story. But back then, they didn't really have a lot of forums to tell their stories and get paid for it. You know. I mean, I wasn't paying anybody when I was doing my podcast. I don't think anybody is. Maybe they are. I don't know. But, you know, but these guys, they can make a couple extra bucks. So they're in town for like a convention or an independent show. They can make a few hundred dollars for talking about their career for, you know, three hours. And, you know, and they're done. They got some extra, you know, pocket change in their, in their you know, for the trip. It was awesome. Uh, it, was, it was great. Uh, we've only had one person so far who wanted us to pay him. Oh, no way. Yeah. Are you going to tell me who it was? Uh, <laughs> I can give you some hints. I mean, a lot of people would get it. I won't say it out loud, but uh, he's pretty legit, and he was a very long-standing NWA champion. Uh, I, I think we could figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we could figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, we talked on the phone for like 20 minutes, like a pre-interview, and then that's when he dropped the, uh, I need a couple bucks for this. And I was like, I'll get back to you on that, and I didn't. Yeah, like a nice guy. I mean, we had a great talk. Yeah. Hey, you got to talk to him for a couple for, I for I a minute. It's like my Roddy Piper light bulb. Sorry, I didn't get him on the show, but I got to talk to Roddy Piper for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. about light bulbs. You touched on something back there that's actually a perfect segue to one question I want to talk to you that's actually not about wrestling. Okay. Like, so in the beginning of this show, you were so kind and putting me over with all the like and the cutting edge of social and stuff like that. But I'm gonna put you over for something because it's literally one of the most brilliant things, especially for the time. Okay. Uh, let's talk about NFLLockout.com because it's <laughs> my favorite. It's one of my favorite stories to tell, and be, no one believes me. So, explain to Steph what happened with NFL Lockout. Yeah, I'm interested in this. So, um, so at the time, uh, I was doing what's called domaining, and I started getting in on on that ground. Well, it probably wasn't the ground floor. It's probably a couple of years after. But what people were doing back then was they were buying up domains and and reselling them they were selling them on auction and they weren't doing it in but there was there's a way to do it there there's a strategy to it right like you can't just buy an like nfl.com and try and hold the nfl hostage and sell it to them you'll you'll get taken to court and they'll sue you but you can't make money on it but you can buy these domains and build non-profitable websites. And then if it's something that they want, uh, you don't necessarily have to give it to them through a court of law, or at least that was at the time, um, they have to come out, they have to, you know, make you an offer. 
Um, so the NFL, um, was, they had an impending lockout coming and I used to do this all the time and I, I, I don't do this anymore, but I used to do this all the time where I would have an idea about a new technology. I do research on a new technology. Maybe it's 5g Wi-Fi or something like that and try and find some related domain keywords like, like 5g.com or something like that and, and buy them. Um, and I, I would do that at the time quite a bit. Um, and, um, and, and at this point, I knew the NFL was was impending on this um, strike. So I'm like, hmm, you know, what about, you know, I start putting all these like terms together, NFL strike, NFL strike, whatever. And I'm like, how about NFL lockout? I'm like, huh, I'm like, that's actually a cool name. And um, I see the domain and I register it. I'm like, huh. And um, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, so this end game here is, uh, so here's my plan. I'm going to build this out as a free blog. I'm not going to put any ads on it. And I'm just going to blog about the impending strike. And my, ho- and my hope is, is that the NFL is going to catch wind of this or the NFL PA and make me an offer. And in the meantime, I might also slip it into some domain like for sale sites, just so they know that it is for sale. Um, but put like, a, put like a ridiculous price on there, but just so they know that it is for sale. So that's what I did. And wouldn't you know it, I get this random bid um, from uh, through name pros, um, and it's for five hundred dollars for the website. And you know, I mean, I still have I still have a, a portfolio of domains. I just sold one recently, not for anywhere like this. It's more just liquidating at this point. Um, but um, you know, so you, you get this bid, and it's always anonymous. Um, and it was five hundred dollars. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, who would want this website? for $500 besides the NFL. Well, what I didn't bank on was that it would be the NFL PA. So, um, and they were never even in my consideration to be quite honest with you, it was always the NFL. And that's what made this so sweet. So um, so I turned down their $500 deal. I was making, by the way, I was making no money at the time. I think I was making like $10 an hour at my hourly job. So it wasn't that I didn't need the money. It was totally, you know, part of the strategy, betting on myself here. And you can write back like a counter offer. So the max was 25 grand that you could do through this website. So I'm like, 25 grand, what's the worst I'll say is no, right? Eight hours later, I get a response that said that they have accepted your offer. I'm like, what? And I'm, I'm like, I, I came home and told my, who was my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, um, and told her and like, just couldn't believe it. And I'm like, you know, I, I like, I just, I, I, it was just so fast, right? Like it was just so fast. So at that point, I'm like, well, who bought it? Like, you know, it's like I'm from what I what I could gather in the in the records, it wasn't the NFL. So I'm like, who would want this? Like besides the NFL, and it was the NFL PA. And if you think about it, um, it was very savvy, unintentionally. So this was the unintentional savvy, savvy part, Chris. Is that is that what was so savvy about it? Is like you have two companies that both want it, that will bid against each other. They're not going to bother suing you or taking you to court because the other company has just as right, just as much legal rights to it as they do. So the only way they're going to get this thing is to buy it, right? So, and I didn't even think that far ahead through through this. I was just thinking of selling it to the NFL. So, I mean, paid for our wedding, paid for, you know, help with the down payment on the house. Um, it was... Um, so, but here's, so here, here's a part of this. I don't know if you know, Chris. So 
I tried to parlay this into getting a job with the NFLPA. So, you know, I mean, why not? Right. So, um, so I, so as part of our deal, they asked me not to tell anybody about it, to stay, to, to not tell to anybody that they bought it. Right. So I have this guy who's a domain blogger. Okay. There are people that actually blog about this stuff. Um, back then, I guess they still do now. And he reaches out to me because you can kind of see through public records, like who owned or whatever. And he starts asking me about it. And I'm like, look, I'm like, I can tell you who bought it. I said, but I can't really talk about it. And I'm just going to ask you not to talk about it. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. So he prints it. Right. So, so the dude prints it on his blog. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, I mean, it wasn't as if the sale was contingent on that, but like, it was just, they asked. So I reach out to them. I'm like, Hey, you know, if I was savvy enough to sell you a domain, essentially if I'm savvy enough to sell you a domain for 25 grand, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you want to hire me? Like, well, because you couldn't keep your mouth shut. Um, for our, our sale, uh, thank you very much. Like, good point. <laughs> so right. well, yeah, Eric, you win and you, yeah. you win. There was never a lockout. I know, right. There was never a lockout. <laughs> that is the irony of it all. Happened. Also, but but so here's here's what makes it so interesting to me. When at, at any point, so you're like, okay, I own NFL Lockout. The NFL Players Association is coming to me. That makes it feel like there really is going to be a lockout. Yes, yes. And like, maybe I should really hold on to this. Well, I'm not that much of a gambler, Chris. Uh, that's more on my wife's side of the family. Uh, you know, I, and you know, it's funny too, because right. So it's the same thing. It's like, it's like, it's like selling a stock, you know, when's the right time to sell a stock. Um, and it, it's the same thing. And I can't tell you how many people, Chris afterwards would say, well, you should have held on to it. You should have asked for more. You should have. And then I'm like, well, what's the breaking point? Like to me, like, you know, my investment was $30 in the domain name and some time in building up a website and, and writing some blogs, you know, with like, like maybe like 500 word blogs, like not even putting that much work into it. Mm -hmm. So like at that point, it's like, I'm cashing out and like, and, and, and calling it a win. And again, like I, I, I needed the money at the time, um, you know, and it was, it was just, you know, right time. But that is the funny part is that there was no, no lockout. But what's interesting though is, where it got interesting was that blogger, right, who put that story out there that the NFLPA bought it, profootballtalk.com took that and ran with it. And then under the guise of, hey, we know there's going to be a lockout now because the NFLPA just paid blah, 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 blah for this yeah. website. So it turned into this whole story. I mean, who knows? Maybe it even um, you know cost them some leverage um, at that point. So um, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we want to do something uh, with you real quick. We're, we're going to talk about the WWE book when we're done. We're, we're going to talk cool. about that real quick because that's what your most recent thing. But we have a little thing we do on the show. It's called the 10 count. Okay. We basically ask you 10 random questions. Okay. And you just come up with whatever comes to mind. Okay. You get the answer. And Steph, you're going to start us out. Okay. The 10 count. And so All we're right. question number one, go ahead. Question number one, what is something you feel like you always look stupid doing? <laughs> uh, yelling at my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have that thing where I yell at my kids and I think to myself, like everyone around me has never seen someone yell at their kid before. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I was that guy. I'm that guy. I'd be like, Oh, look at this. It, it, look at this, this idiot yelling at his kids. And then here I am, you know, so many years later yelling at my kids. So yeah, I was yelling at my kids. This is always my favorite too. What's the weirdest thing you've ever said out loud 
like yelling <laughs> at your kids that you never thought another human would have to tell another human. <laughs> but see, here's the thing, Chris, is you don't think it's weird anymore. It's like, you just do it. So like, yeah. it's it, absolutely. And I've said to my wife after, after I'll say something, I'll be like, wow, that's something I thought I would never say in public. But like, I, I can't think because it's like, it just comes so natural to you at yeah. that point. Right. How about you? You're like, stop licking the banister at the mall. Like you got yeah. random things that you like think would be common sense to a human. Yeah, like pull your pants up, you know, you're out in public, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fun the fun of uh being a parent. <laughs> oh man. I mean, you you I mean, if there's a storyteller, it's you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with uh, number two. What's one of the unwritten rules of wrestling that you think is absolutely ridiculous? Um, so it's funny because there's a lot of rules that a lot of people think are ridiculous. So what do I think is ridiculous? I think wiping your feet to get into the ring is kind of ridiculous. You're going to go in there, you're going to sweat in there, you're going to bleed in there. You're going to do, I mean, some people do some, some really ridiculous and silly things in there, but you're going to wipe your feet in there to show respect, but then you're going to you're gonna show respect by wiping your feet, but then you're going to go crap all over the business once you get in there. I think that's kind of stupid. I do like the shaking your hand thing. For a lot of, I know a lot of people don't like that. Um, that a lot of people think that's super. Like, why should I go in there and shake everybody's hand? I liked it, and you know, for me, uh, you know, it's like a, it's a good excuse, right? So when you're when you're somebody like myself walking in those locker rooms um, back, you know, as a ring announcer, or if I was fortunate enough to be booked as as an announcer, play by play on some of the bigger shows, as as I got more experience in that, um, it's 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 an opportunity for me to go up and meet these guys and talk to them, as opposed to just going up and, you know, kind of, you know, barging into a conversation and stuff. So I always like that. I think it's kind of silly when, you know, people hold grudges because you didn't go up to them and shake their hand. I think that's kind of dumb. Um, but uh, that wiping your hands, it's like, I'm going gonna, gonna to wipe my feet on the apron. I'm going to go in there and do 20 flippy flops and, you know, and pull my pants down and, and uh, yeah, I'm, it's not like I'm talking about my kid. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It goes back to question number one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> question number three. What is your alcoholic drink of choice? These days it's whiskey. Uh, these days it's whiskey. Um, we, we've gotten very adventurous uh, over COVID, as I'm sure a lot of people have. We always joke, we have all this alcohol on top of our fridge, but if you came into our house before COVID, you wouldn't see a bottle there. Um, so, and, and it's, it's a guy that's on his truth. I would say whiskey. Um, you know, it was like always one of those drinks that, I always drank the wimpy drinks, you know, light beer. I mean, I always thought it was dumb to put to to put, if I'm gonna eat if I'm gonna get calories, it's gonna be from a cheeseburger or ice cream or pizza. It's not gonna be from drinking beer. Um, so I was always light beer or or light drinks or whatever. Um, but I tried, but but I tried the whiskey and, and loved it. So that's my drink these days. Awesome. What's your whiskey of choice? Uh, these days, um, Monkey Shoulder, which is kind of a Okay, you know, yeah, kind of <laughs> this is thumbs up. yeah, monkey shoulder is awesome, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I haven't had it, but I'm gonna need it, I yeah, yeah we'll I'd recommend you. it. We'll get you a bottle before we make you watch uh, Tuesday Night Titans. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> That's what it should be that drink while you're watching Tuesday, Night. yeah, right. Uh, okay, so number four, uh, this goes back to your, your traveling days, or maybe even now with your kids, who knows? Uh, number four, where's the weirdest place you've ever had to use the restroom? I can tell you the grossest place I've ever used the restroom. That works. Uh, the, um, uh, what's it? Nathan's in Coney Island was the most disgusting, 
the most dis- disgusting restroom that you, I mean, it's beyond words. Like I, I still have nightmares about it. Nathan's on Coney Island. <laughs> it was horrendous. I mean, it was just, it was like a scene out of like no holds barred when they're in that uh, bathroom, if Ugh. not worse. Yeah. Disgusting. Oh, gross. Yeah. All right. Number five. What's the oddest thing you've ever seen a wrestling fan do? The oddest thing I've ever seen a wrestling fan do. Um, that's a good one. Um, you know, in ECW, I would say be part of the show in that, you know, there were some wrestling fans that would wind up somehow or another getting choke slammed in the middle of the ring by 911, if you remember 911 back then. Yeah. So, and these were fans. And, you know, these, these fans are taking bumps in there and getting thrown around by this guy who certainly wants to make it look as legit as possible. So it's, it's going to hurt even more. The fact you go in there and do that and be happy about it is, is absurd uh, to me. Um, You know, CCW had a lot of rabid fans. Um, I I would say, you know, the thing, the thing at CCW is they would, so CCW would have this thing called the tournament of death. Um, and, um, so it was like a weapons match tournament kind of thing. And, uh, and the fans, they, and they would tell the fans, bring a weapon. They would just come with the craziest stuff like these, like, you know, light bulb contraptions with saws on the end of it, and blades and nails. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, you should arrest every single person that's coming in here with one of these weapons, because for them to even have the mind to design something like that is beyond words. So I'd say at ECW, some of the fan creations creations um, were a little interesting, to say the least. Definitely before metal detectors. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it's like, it's so funny. And I'm sure, you know, you know, we all know, you know, it, it just how different the times are like today and, you know, compared to, and some, some for the better, some for the worse. But I mean, you just think about things you used to do, whether it's in a previous life, in a ple- previous place of employment or a, a sport or a hobby, or in my case, in my wrestling life and things we used to do and get away with. And like, I mean, doing it today, it would just, it would never, never happen. Um, no. it's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number six, name a wrestler that you personally worked with that you swore was going to be a bigger star than they really were. Um, who I, um, Axel Rotten would definitely come to mind for sure. Um, I would say in CZW, Trent Acid for sure, who unfortunately, um, took his life. Um, but I for sure thought he was going to be huge. Um, I would say, uh, Nick Mondo, who actually is, um, I believe he's very much a part of AEW's production team. Um, he went on to make movies, so he wound up working for them. Um, but uh, he, um, but but I thought he would be. I thought he had a good look and good charisma. I thought um, he would be uh, a bigger star. Uh, Chris Candido, I thought was just awesome um, when I was watching him every weekend in ECW. I thought he would be. I thought Brian Pillman. I mean, I, I never worked with Brian Pillman, so that's not fair. Um, that's not that's not a good answer. But I always thought Brian Pillman would be bigger. Um, uh, I, I would say those guys uh, like right off the, the top, I thought Taz would be bigger, honestly. Like, I mean, you know, and it's not an insult, but I mean, it's, it's probably more a compliment is I just thought he was incredible. You know, when I, you know, was in uh, ECW with him and I mean, even just out of the range, just the way he conducted himself in the locker room and everything, I just thought he was awesome. And, um, you know, I thought he would have that same, you know, breakout 
you know, I, I think Breakout's the same in WWEF. Um, I mean, he's certainly um, successful as an announcer, but I thought, you know, I, I thought he was great. Sabu is another guy. I mean, you think is go back then. I thought Sabu would be amazing. I remember when Sabu finally got to WWE and he wrestled John Cena at SummerSlam. And I thought it would be the greatest match of, of all time. Um, you know, he's another guy. And again, it's not, it's again, it's not insulting, like saying they, they didn't reach a potential. It's saying like, I was just so impressed with these guys. Like, I just thought these guys could go out there and do anything. And, and, you know, rule the world. All right. So number seven, I just see numbers. <laughs> What's the dumbest catchphrase in the history of wrestling? <laughs> um, I've got two words for you. <laughs> it's so dumb. Like think about it. <laughs> but it got over. But it, it got over. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, it's probably unfair for me to say, because it made it made a, a, a boatload of money. Would it have gotten over as much if it didn't involve the chop? Probably not. Probably not. Like my so like we were talking about two K nineteen. So in two K nineteen, you know the guys like do the chop. Mm-hmm. My son has no idea what they're even doing, but like he loves it. He loves when he watches them do the chop. But he has no idea what it signifies, what it means. Like like none of that. But like he just loves. Like he 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 laughs like every time you know they, they do it. Um, you know, I, I thought, I thought, I, I always thought that was a, a dumb one. Um, not, and again, right, Chris, it's hard to argue because it made a boatload of money, but to me, it's like, I, I, you know, so you really want me to suck it? I mean, like, I, I, I mean, is that really what you're t- asking me to do here? <laughs> I mean, if you think about what, what the phrase is and what they're asking you to do, it's kind of stupid. Yeah. And the fact that people are getting cra- excited about it. Whatever, man. I think everybody just wanted to yell "suck it" in a crowd. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> uh, so let's, this this one goes back to your uh, your tribute book that you wrote. Yeah. Uh, number eight. Give us one weird fact you remember from the WWE Pop tribute book. Oh my God, I haven't written that. It's been years since I, it's been a couple of years since I wrote. So, Chris, as you know, as somebody that's published more books than than I ever will in my lifetime, the day that you start a book and the day that your book is published, there's a long time. A long time between there, right? So for me, it was like it was like almost two years from the time I wrote the started writing questions um, until it, it was published. I, I remember one. I think it was. I think Ric Flair had never won a WrestleMania match. You know, you think back at, at Ric Flair, and maybe he has since then, um, or maybe maybe he had, but I don't. I think that was one of them that like jumped out to me. I, I can't remember um, off the top of my head because so how it came about. I mean, Chris, I'm sure you have some great stories about how some of you, I know how your how your asshole books. You told me the story how they came they they started. That's that's a great story. Um, you know, it's uh they asked me to kind of write them some stuff to try it out. And Chris actually helped me with my outline. Um, you might not remember, but he actually helped me um put put my outline together because I never written a book outline or anything. And um so so I did that and sent it to them and everything just happened really fast. And they're like, okay, well, can you have it done by, you know, like tomorrow, you know, or, or something like, okay, I guess. Um, so just kind of hunkered down and, you know, wrote all these questions and vetted them out. And then, you know, I had to work with uh, editors from the WWEF um, as far as like editing, not editing in, in that they wanted something taken out, just make sure it was factually correct. Uh, there was nothing that I was asked to take out. It was just more or less like, hey, you know, this act, this isn't actually correct or there was something I missed. Um, and, um, and, and I remember it was supposed to be, so I started writing it and it was supposed to be published a year later. 
and then right before it was going to be published, it's like, yeah, we're going to wait another year to, to publish it. Um, they didn't like the cover. They didn't like the way the cover was turning out. And they were trying to line up the release with WrestleMania and like WrestleMania time period. And the fact that they couldn't get the cover they wanted right in time for WrestleMania, they're like, yeah, we're just going to hold this for a year. I'm like, okay. So it's kind of weird in that, like once the book came out, I was like, you know, I, I'm excited because, you know, it's, it's, it's quite an accomplishment as, as Chris knows. Um, and, um, but, you know, you kind of forget about it at the same time, because it's like, you put all that work in so long ago. It's like, now it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. As opposed to like getting super excited about it. My family, they got all excited and friends and everything. And it was awesome. But like, yeah, there's just such a gap there that like, I don't even remember. So it's funny. So I, I have a couple copies here. And it's funny because my daughter will take it out sometimes and she'll ask me questions from it. And I, I, I do get them, I do get them right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but it's funny though, because at first she's turning nine, but like, so the book came out two years ago. So she was like six when, when it first came out, she asked me these questions and she'd be like, daddy's so smart. He knows all the answers to the, to this book. I'm like, I wrote it, you know, <laughs> don't tell anybody, <laughs> but yeah. But before we move on to the next question, I will give you one fact that might have been in the book, but something I just heard the other day, which boggled my mind. Okay. <laughs> Ramon slash Scott Hall has never been in a Royal Rumble. See, that's a great fact. That is, that's good stuff right there. I did not know that. It blew my mind. Never been, he's wrestled at Royal Rumble, but he has yeah. never been in the Royal Rumble match. Wow, because he's had like he headlined against Bret Hart at the Rumble, and he had the um, ladder match with Sean. I think was that a Royal Rumble or was that a Survivor Series? That was Mania and SummerSlam. Okay, um, but I do remember him wrestling Bret Hart at a uh, at yeah. a Rumble at a Rumble. Maybe two been in a Royal Rumble. Wow, that's a great fact. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Rumbles used to be like my favorite matches because you just have everybody going at it. You'd have the surprises. Um, I mean, they just used to be so good. And even, even my kids, um, you know, they love the, I mean, my favorite, maybe my favorite match of all time, the 92 rumble, the flare rumble. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just, it's the best. Um, and, and they love it. I mean, they just love, and they don't even know what half the guys are, but they just like all the, the excitement and the action. Yeah. 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 And, um, I, I mean, I don't watch it now. I think probably the last thing I watched was, not this past Rumble, but maybe the Rumble before that, whatever one where Brock Lesnar and Keith Lee went at it and Drew McIntyre threw Brock Lesnar over. Last year. Yeah. yeah, okay. And and that was fun. Like, like we all watched it and like and I was into it because like the beginning was just great. Like there there are those guys that I will still watch. Unfortunately, they're not around really today. Like Brock Lesnar is a guy. Like, if you tell me he's on the show, I'm gonna watch. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't wrestle uh, these days, but yeah, but I thought that was a good one. But I haven't watched this year. So I don't know if this year's was any good. Did you guys like it? It was good. Yeah. Oh For, that was considering- good. Yeah, I, exactly what you were going to say. Like, given the circumstances and being without fans and that adding such a big part of the yeah. Rumble experience. Yeah. Um, they actually did a really good job of still making it exciting. And That's awesome. With surprises. Yeah. But so, I've, I've said it before that the Rumble is how I got into wrestling for the same reason. That is just so exciting. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you don't know anyone. Just the excitement of it is great. Especially, and Chris can attest to this, when the, when the, when the Rumble first came around in the late 80s, early 90s. Because back then, a lot of those matches weren't very exciting back then. There were a lot of rest holds and guys were gassed up and moving slow in the ring. and But you got the Rumble in and it was just 
action from start to finish. So it was, uh, it was, it was different. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Let's hit question number nine. Name a TV theme song that randomly gets stuck in your head. Ha, uh, probably Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, probably probably Seinfeld. That's an interesting one. So you just like walk around like. Uh, so sometimes I mean no, I wouldn't say I walk around. I, I can't make the sound quite quite nearly as as good as you. Um, you know, probably come to think of it, it's probably one of my kids' dopey shows to be honest with you because that's all that's ever on in my house. So yeah. you know, it's probably like I mean my daughter. You know, she's into those like victorious shows and those singing, you know, the shows, but yeah, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, Living Maddie and all those, you know, Fakakta shows. So it's probably, <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. It's, 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 it's probably, it's probably those, to be honest with you. Probably ones I don't care to admit. <laughs> right. Steph, you got one of the sex in your head? Um, I get yeah, two. It's either the new girl. Oh. Theme, so I'm either going, it's Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Full House for some uh, the original Full House. Yes. Yeah, not Fuller House. Okay. <laughs> How about you? Family Matters creeps in there a lot. <laughs> and I don't I think it's because I know all the words. Okay. I don't, I don't think I could tell you what that theme song sounds it's like. A now. rare condition on this oh. day and age to yes. read any good news on the newspaper uh, page. This I mean, is the second time I've heard you sing a TV uh, theme song oh, on I've been, the I've show. Been the second time I sang Family Matters. I was like, really? <laughs> I sang no, Three's Company was the other one. Oh, that's, that's, one? oh that's, a good, that's a good one right there. I was back in the day when I watched a lot of reruns, but the Family Matters one, sometimes for me, with any song, there's like certain songs that have words. And when I hear the words in a regular conversation, yeah, it like throws it in my head. So. Throws you in the song. Yeah. Right? Uh, so let's end this with number 10. If you could abolish any holiday, why? <laughs> I'm going to abolish any holiday. Um, what would it be and why? So I have to be politically correct when I, when I say this these, yeah. these days, um, what is a holiday that I can't stand? Um, I just don't like the idea I hate the idea of of you know everything being so gift oriented. Holidays where everything's so gift oriented. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Um, I really do. Not that I don't mind receiving gifts, but I just don't like. I, I I hate that because then you know it's like you finally get your kids to a place where they're you know they start to appreciate stuff and you're not buying them things too often and when you do they get excited and everything and then right when they're in that place there's there's something that comes around where you know the relatives or you you're pressured into getting these gifts like 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 birthday gifts like i think are you know it's absurd you know i mean where you know it's every year we talk about how absurd birthdays are and here we are planning our kids birthday stuff and like you know it's it's absurd so to recap eric wants to get rid of christmas and birthdays <laughs> i didn't say christmas could have been hanukkah i'm jewish yeah. could be. could have been right. hanukkah Let's get rid of hanukkah too you said holidays with gifts. I feel like every holiday is a gift now. So that's the point, right? It's yeah. like that whole theme. Of, yeah, it's that whole theme of, you know, well, it's a holiday. You got to have gifts. Like, you know, I mean, I don't like to give my kids candy. You know, we we pulled up uh, we pulled up somewhere the other day. I was with my littlest guy. He's two, going on three. And the woman's like, oh, you know, the Easter Bunny will be here next week. And she'll have lots of candy for you. It's like, I'm trying not to give my three-year-old, two-year-old candy. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't need to know about this yet. No. And of course now, ever since then, oh, dad, you know, we're going to get candy. Like, oh, I guess we are. 
crazy. Yeah. Well, Eric, we want to thank you for coming on. For, before you, we let you go, tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Really a lot of fun. Great to see you. Great to meet you. Um, I, you know, I really don't promote wrestling too much anymore. I mean, you can catch me on, on Twitter. I mean, I retweet a lot of classic stuff, um, at camel clutch blog. Um, I don't really blog or write about it. I feel like it's a little unfair because I don't really watch it. So for me to run out there with a hot take, it's, you know, I'll leave that to the 5,000 other bloggers. <laughs> and the, w, the WWE book is on Amazon, right? Yes. Yeah, so the WWE trivia book is on Amazon. Uh, you can get it there. You just look up WWE trivia book and, and, and my name and you'll, you'll find it. And it's a lot of fun. I tried, I really tried to write a book, a, a trivia game that was very well-rounded. So you don't have to be a hardcore fan like, 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 you know, like the three of us are, um, to, to get it. But at the same time, you know, if you are a hardcore fan, there's going to be stuff that will challenge you in there. So I try to give it a really nice mix. Um, so, so it could be fun for everyone. And that's, and that's the reaction that, I, that I've heard from, from people, um, that have, have gotten it. So, so yeah. Awesome. Well, Eric, yeah. thanks for coming on. Uh, we're going to have you back. We're going to make Jess watch one of the Tuesday night Titans. Oh, I'll we'll watch it along together. <laughs> I, I love that. So, Chris, I'm going to give you a trivia question. Okay. Where were you 10 years ago tomorrow? 10 years ago tomorrow. <laughs> What's tomorrow's date? March 12th. March 12th, 2011? Yep. Your, yeah. your wedding. My wedding. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. yeah. We forgot to touch on the Fink. The we forgot to touch on the Fink. Eric's wedding. The yeah, Fink so, wait, the what wedding happened? Party. You know, Howard Finkel, the WWE announcer, mm -hmm. he announced at Eric's wedding. He announced the wedding party. That's amazing. Happy anniversary, dude. I did not know that. Thank you. I, that Thank was like, you. what the hell could have been yeah. 10 years? Wow, 10 years. Good for you, man. Yeah, thanks. I didn't even think about it. And then as we started talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, he was at my wedding 10 years ago. Let me yeah. ask him. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. We can talk about that the next time you're on. Absolutely. Cliffhanger. And, uh, well, we're going to make uh, we're gonna make Steph watch one of those Tuesday Night Titan episodes. Oh, for sure. Maybe for sure. Not. You'll enjoy it. With, with, think in it. with monkey shoulder. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. For sure. Bottle of monkey shoulder. I got some good Fink stories, too, next time, next time we do this. Awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys.